What I want to talk tonight about, just real briefly, um, is God's perfect timing. Uh, how many of you know that God's timing is always perfect? And how many of you also know that God's timing never feels perfect? Like, never ever does it feel like his timing is right, even though it always is. And, uh, and we see this on display so clearly in the Christmas story. There's a number of passages in the Bible that talk about how Jesus came at exactly the right time. The moment when he came was the perfect time for him to come, and yet almost nobody in the story experiences it as the perfect moment. Um, it's, it's crazy to think about the, the infinite timing that God had on display. And, and for many of us, we've experienced this in our own life, right? Like uh, many of you have had an encounter where something happened where the timing was just right. If it had been a moment earlier or a moment later or something different had happened that, that, that you never would have experienced this thing. And you just look at it and you say, man, I felt like I connected with God in that moment, right? Like the, that God was looking out for me, that he was orchestrating things. He was moving pieces uh, so, that, so, that, so that I could experience just a little taste of his perfect plan. When you think about what we, what we heard read to us tonight about the prophets, that for hundreds of years before Jesus came, prophets were speaking in very specific detail all these prophecies about who the Messiah would be and what it would be like when he would come and that he would come in the line of David and that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem and that he would, he would suffer and that he would die and that he would be, be buried in the tomb of a rich man. All these prophecies which Jesus ended up fulfilling. Or you think about the wise men pursuing the star, right? Um, uh, we've reached a point in, in science and, and, you know, throughout history people have speculated about what is this star that the, the, the magi, the, the wise men were following. And, um, and honestly, we don't know exactly, right? Like we don't know exactly, but, um, but scientists can look back and they, they've reached the point where they can look back in the history of the universe and say like, hey, all right, back at that time, what would they have been seeing in the, in the skies? And, and one of the things they've identified is that there was like a supernova that happened right around the time when Jesus would have been born. And so... Uh, we don't know for sure if that's the star that they saw, but if it was, think about the cosmic timing to have a supernova occur uh, at the exact moment when Jesus was born. And it just points us to the fact that this wasn't haphazard. This wasn't random. It wasn't like God was up there and was like, ah, I don't know what to do. Just send Jesus in, right? Like, this was part of this incredible plan of salvation that he had from, from before the beginning of time. Before time was created, he had this plan to bring redemption to you and I. And we see that on display in the Christmas story. Uh, we talked about the prophets, and, uh, and I just want to share a couple of, of Bible verses with you tonight to back up what I'm saying. Uh, the first one's in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10. He says this, he says, Considering this, uh, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ, and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have been now announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. It says not only are these human prophets inquiring and searching and asking God, who is the Messiah going to be and when is he going come, but the angels themselves were, were longing to look into the things that were revealed at the first Christmas. And what is it they were longing to see? They were longing to understand the heart of the gospel, which is this, that God is both perfectly loving, that he's, he's, he's merciful, he's forgiving, he's patient, and he's also perfectly just. He cares very much about justice and about 
right and wrong. And, and, and it, sometimes it seems like those two things are opposed to one another. But the reality is, is that love requires justice. I want you to think about this. How many of you out here have siblings? Anybody have siblings? All right. Statistically, I know there's more of you, right? <laughs> but if you don't have a sibling, if you're an only child, you can imagine with us, right? But imagine that you, you have this sibling, and imagine that your parents are the most loving parents in the whole world. And you're there playing with your toy, and your sibling comes over and rips that toy out of your hand, and they break the toy in half, and then they punch you in the gut and kick you down on the ground and start beating you and, and mocking you, right? This has probably happened. You probably don't have to imagine this, right? This is probably, you can go back to a childhood memory, right? But imagine this happens, and you go to your parents, and you say, loving, most loving parents in the whole world, you won't believe what my brother did to me. That's a good reminder. Turn your phones on silence. Mine just beeped, right? Um, you won't believe what, what, what my brother, what my sister, what they just did. And, and what if those parents looked at the children and said, we love you so much. We just want you to know that you're loved. And right now, I just, I just want to encourage you. I just want to wrap my arms around you. I've already forgotten what your, what your sibling did to you. It's already forgotten. We don't even, we're not even worried about it. We just want to love you. Well, that wouldn't be very loving, would it? That wouldn't be very good parenting, right? Love, if they really love you, that requires them to hold your sibling accountable for what they did. Because you were hurt and you were wronged, and part of the process of loving you well is seeking justice, right? Is, is, is punishing the sibling, and not out of hatred or anger, but out of love for them, because if they let them get away with that, who knows what they're ultimately going to try and get away with, right? And so a little punishment now is better than a big punishment down the road. And so love requires justice. This is, this is just a fact. But the question was, how can God be both loving and merciful and kind and forgiving with his people and at the same time uphold justice because all of us have rebelled against God. Our nature is to put ourselves at the center of our universe and to do the things that bless us and to do the things that, that make our life better regardless of what God says. And because of that rebellion, we're separated from him. And so it's this, this math equation that doesn't add up. They couldn't figure it out. And what we see in the Christmas story is that Jesus makes sense of that, how God can be perfectly loving and perfectly just because Jesus came and took the penalty in our place. This is backed up in, in, in Romans chapter 5, where we see once again it talking about Jesus coming at the perfect time. In Romans 5, 6, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that we have all the elements of the gospel, right? We have God who is motivated by love. We have us made in the image of God, capable of good, but ultimately broken by sin. And then we have Jesus coming and giving his life to redeem us. We see it also over in Galatians 4, another passage that talks about Jesus coming at the perfect time. In Galatians 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. One of the definitions for redeem is to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And so redemption is this beautiful picture of what Jesus did. He regained us. We were lost from him, and he regained us 
by making the purchase payment for our sins. He bought our forgiveness. He bought the way for us to get back to the Father. And so with hindsight, we can look 2,000 years ago and we can say, hey, historically, yeah, it was actually a good time for Jesus to be born. The Roman Empire had expanded to a point where much of the known world was encompassed in the Roman Empire. And so as Roman, as the, as Roman soldiers and different Roman citizens became saved, they could spread the gospel over much of the known world. Uh, the Greek culture and the Greek language had, had expanded and become so wide that it allowed the gospel to be proclaimed to all these different people groups and, and from all these different places with all these different traditions. Uh, we know that the, the Jewish people were longing and looking for a Messiah, and so there was a sense of expectation. And so for all those reasons, it was, it was a good time for Jesus to come. But as I mentioned, when you look at the story itself, it didn't feel like good timing in the moment. Any of you guys take family pictures at, at Christmas? Anybody send out Christmas cards with your family pictures, right? And if you have kids involved or pets, you just know, right? It's, um, you go... One kid, it's in the middle of their nap. They don't want to wake up. One kid doesn't want to get dressed. One kid won't keep their shirt tucked in, right? Like the dog's running off. It feels like crazy chaos, and you just walk away and say, man, I hope the photographer got something decent out of that. And then it didn't feel perfect at all, right? But then they send you the pictures, and there's one picture where everybody's looking at the camera, <laughs> right? Or they're doing something weird but weird in a cute way that's really nice, right? And so, and, and so people receive your Christmas card, and they're like, wow. That was perfect timing. What a perfect moment, because they see the one moment. They don't see the 99 that got thrown away because they were horrible, right? That's how God's timing feels to us a lot of times, that in the midst of it, we can't see that it's perfect timing a lot of times. A lot of times, it doesn't look in a feel, and there's, there's a number of reasons why that is. I don't know if you guys call it the, uh, the, the passage about Anna there, right? For Anna, it said that Anna was... was um, was with her husband for seven years, and then she was a widow until she was 84 years old, and she was fasting and praying, and she was in the temple day after day, uh, seeking the Lord diligently, and then finally, at age 84, she gets to see the Messiah. And I'm sure she was excited, and I'm sure she was filled with joy, but I'm sure there was part of her that was like, man, this would have been nice like 60 years ago, right? God, why did I have to wait so long to see this? Why'd I have to wait so long? Think about Zachariah and Elizabeth. The angel came and said, hey, Elizabeth is going to have a son, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to make the way for the Messiah. And, and she laughed, right? She's like, I don't think so, right? Sarah, I got the wrong one. You're right, Natalie. That was a different story, very similar circumstance. But, but Zachariah didn't believe it, and he was, uh, Zachariah was struck silent because he wouldn't believe, right? And there's probably a moment where Zachariah and Elizabeth were probably like, Lord, man, this would have been nice back when we were in our 20s when we could keep up with kids, <laughs> where we could see them maybe make their way through, through college. Like, we don't know how much longer we're going to be around, right? It didn't feel like perfect timing for them. For Mary and Joseph, they had, they had these great plans to get married. They were betrothed. They had this exciting time, this season in their life, and suddenly an angel appears to Mary, and the whole thing gets wrecked, right? Joseph thinks he needs to divorce her. The town's wondering how she got pregnant. God's perfect timing didn't feel too perfect for them. There was another group that, uh, that had become very comfortable in their captivity. Uh, the nation of Israel longed to be released from the rule of the Romans, but in all honesty, the Pharisees had carved out a nice little niche for themselves. They had autonomy. They could do what they wanted. 
They, they were left alone to worship as they chose. They had power and respect amongst their people. And so when Jesus entered in, it didn't feel like perfect timing to them because their little kingdom was being threatened. The same was true with Herod. Herod was a puppet king that, that was in place because he would do what the Roman Empire wanted him to do. And as long as he didn't ruffle their feathers, then he had some freedom to enjoy a life of opulence and, and take advantage of the situation that he had. But, but when Jesus came along, he was so distressed by it that he tried to kill him. In fact, he killed all the babies just to make sure that he got him. Maybe we can relate to some of these things in, in the way that, that God's timing may not feel perfect to us. Maybe we've become comfortable in the, in, in the broken situation that we're in, whether it's uh, in a broken relationship, whether it's, whether it's through drugs or whether it's through alcohol or whether it's a, a broken search for meaning in a career and, and we know that it's not right, and we know that there's something off, but the pain, the thought of Jesus coming in and disrupting all of it, it just feels uncomfortable. We'd rather remain comfortable in our captivity than experience the freedom when Jesus comes in. For many of us, the timing doesn't feel like on Christmas Eve, after all the running around, the buying of presents, the wrapping of presents that's still yet to do, the presents that you forgot to get, the to-do list that you have after you leave here tonight to get to that perfect moment on Christmas morning, right? It doesn't feel like the perfect time for Jesus to enter in, but, but the reality is, is that Jesus enters in, in in moments that feel imperfect, and he brings perfect peace. And he can change your life if you allow him to. There's an awesome passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us. Whatever you've been, whatever your identity is, whatever your purpose has been, whatever you think the meaning of life is, when you come into the right relationship with your creator, what you come to realize is that you were made to have a relationship with him and to be an ambassador for him in the world. That's where your hope comes from. That's where your meaning comes from. That's where your purpose comes from. That's what makes life make sense when you begin to realize that what you've been given, if you can get back to a restored, that's what we're all striving for. We don't realize it. There's a hole within our heart that only God can fill. And until we get that relationship right, we'll be searching for it everywhere. But once we find it, we don't just keep it for ourselves. We then become ambassadors to share that good news with others. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What he says is there's a favorable time to come to him. There's a day of salvation to come to him. And what he says is, now is that day. 
It doesn't feel like the perfect moment. It doesn't feel like perfect timing. But the reality is, is that there is no better time for Jesus to enter into your heart than right now, right here, today. If you place your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ for salvation, then it tells us that you are a new creation. It might not look new right away, but you become someone completely different. And that's what Christmas is all about, right? It's about Jesus entering in, incarnating. Jesus who seemed distant, who seemed far off, suddenly becomes real, becomes flesh, walks among his people. And my hope, my prayer for you is that this Christmas season, that that you might be at a place where you're ready to allow him to do that in your heart. You're ready to allow him to do that in your life. If you stand back and you look at it, I believe that there's, there's some people here tonight where God is just tugging on your heart. Maybe he's been knocking on the door of your heart for a while. And there's a million reasons to feel like it's not the right time. Maybe there's a time down the road. Maybe there's a better, better time. Maybe New Year's when you make a New Year's resolution, right? Maybe that's your new beginning. But I want to encourage you that tonight there is no better time. And so what I'd like to do is this. I'd like to give you an opportunity, a small gift in the middle of this busy season is just a few moments of silence just to get along with God and do whatever, whatever you need to say to him, whatever you need to do. Just, just ask him to speak to you. Just say to him, God, is there something that you want to show me? Say, God, if you're real, is there something that you want to show to me? He doesn't mind our doubts. He wants a relationship with us. And so whatever faith, if it's the faith the side of a mustard seed, bring it to him and see what he does with it.